Welcome to the Joyful Journey podcast. If you're looking for more clarity in your life, clarity of purpose or how to activate that purpose, and you are someone who wants to operate from your highest self to be a force for good you know this world craves, then this is the show for you. I'm Anita Adams, your host and guide to finding clarity and creating a life you love. Let's tap into our inner wisdom, access our highest self, and unleash joy. As we do this, we raise our vibration and heighten the collective consciousness. And that, my friend, is the joyful journey. Let's dive in. Hey, Joyful Journeyer, Anita Adams here, your host, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Jake Eagle, who is here to talk to us about his new book, The Power of Awe, which he co-authored with Michael Amster. Jake is a psychotherapist, mindfulness instructor, fellow member trainer of the International Association of Neuro-Linguistics Programming, and co-founder of Life Conscious. After 30 years in private practice, Jake now works part-time as a meta-therapist, working with people who want to go beyond the bounds of traditional therapy. Together, he and his wife, Hannah, lead life-changing small group retreats at awe-inspiring locations around the world. Welcome, Jake. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm glad we finally connected. Me too. Yeah. We got like a major time zone difference between us. So we act that the fact that we were able to make this work, I'm just delighted. So thank you again. And I want to know, like, I got to start off by knowing what are some of the awe inspiring retreats locations that you have gone to? Or what is the most, what is your favorite destination to take people on an awe inspired retreat? Well, we've done many different places, but probably my favorite is a location in Mexico called Playa Viva, which is right on the ocean. It's a private facility with beach as far as you can see in any direction, no homes, no other people. It's really delightful. Um, and then we've also done them at a retreat center in Kyoto in Japan. That's quite uh, very special, just a beautiful location in the wilderness and being in Japan adds a different element to the experience. I yeah. bet. And I'm sure that the, the natural environment is what makes or contributes to that awe-inspiring um, environment or experience. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And also having a sense of being uh, in a contained group in a beautiful location creates yeah. something very special. Yeah. Absolutely. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's let's talk about your book. The full title of your book, The Power of Awe, Overcome Burnout and Anxiety, Ease Chronic Pain, Find Clarity and Purpose in Less Than One Minute Per Day. Now, that sounds pretty awesome. (laughs) It's it's a little embarrassing, actually. (laughs) Well, and I love your approach because it's the simplicity of what you are teaching people in your book that captures my interest and I think is what is going to lead to it being profoundly successful because it is, it is simple. The simplicity of what you are offering is, is brilliant. Um, So before, before we get into all of that, um, behind every incredible book, there is an incredible story. So tell us about what got you here, what, how you came to write this book. 
Well, it was really not something that we expected to do. I, I was teaching a course online, and in that course, I was asking people to meditate 10 minutes a day, and about half the people said they didn't have time to do that. And so I felt a little stuck, like, well, if you won't meditate 10 minutes a day, what what can you do? Well, would you meditate for 30 seconds? Would you meditate for a minute? So people agreed they could meditate for a short, very short amount of time. And I called them micro meditations. And people did that. And my colleague, Michael Amster, was actually in that class. He was taking the class because he was curious about what I was teaching. And at the end of the course, I always do a survey to see how people have progressed from the beginning to the end. It was just a 21 day course. And at the end, the people who had been meditating or doing micro meditations for 30 seconds to a minute got the same results or better than the people that had been meditating for 10 minutes a day, which was very surprising both to me and to Michael. And so we got together and we decided that we wanted to try and understand what was going on. How could it be that meditating for 30 seconds was giving you the same benefits? So we decided we would both run pilot projects. Michael is a pain specialist. So he worked with a group of 15 pain clients. And I, at the time, was in practice as a psychotherapist. And so I worked with a group of 20 of my patients. And we did this three-week course where we taught people what we then called microdosing mindfulness. And we introduced them to the awe technique, which we'll talk about later. And one more time, but, but this time we actually did um, psychological surveys before and after we did a very thorough analysis of where people were at in terms of their psychological state, um, physical pain and discomfort, relationships, loneliness. And at the end of the 21 days, again, people had these remarkable results. So Michael took our results to UC Berkeley, which is the center that has done most of the research around awe. It's been done by a gentleman named Dacker Keltner at the Greater Good Science Center. And they were so excited. They said, this is fantastic. We'd like to do a study with you. Well, that was just about a week before the pandemic broke out. So then the pandemic takes place and now people are really, as you know, stressed and anxious and overworked. And so we decided to do our study with frontline healthcare workers because we knew they were the people that were really having a tough time, doctors, nurses, administrators and hospitals. So we did two studies, one with frontline healthcare workers and one with patients and same program, three weeks, 21 days. And at the end of it, the results were just uh, remarkable. I mean, to the point that we had publishers asking us to write a book about mm -hmm. something which we never intended to do. But when you have multiple publishers saying, would you write a book? You know, it's pretty exciting. And so we decided to go ahead. We then took the next couple of years wrote the book, which also involved a lot of research into exactly what we think was happening when people access the emotion of awe. And it turns out it's a very powerful emotion, but it's not been talked about a whole lot. And what was unique about our approach is that we asked people to find awe in the ordinary. In other words, not having some remarkable magnificent experience, but just in your everyday life, when you wake up in the morning, just the fact that you wake up before anything happens, could you experience a moment of awe? Maybe it's because you woke up. 
Maybe it's because of the person you're sleeping next to and you feel so grateful. Maybe it's because you have a cat or a dog on the bed and they're there greeting you in the morning. Maybe it's because of the way your first cup of coffee smells or tastes. So these very normal things. And the question is, can you stimulate the emotion of awe? And and that's how it started. And it turned into a much, much bigger project than I ever expected. So cool. I love that story. So it is that the meditative, like the, you call it the micro meditation. Is that micro meditation? Is that looking for that moment of awe, like finding, finding all that's around you? Is that what you mean? Like, are they one of the same thing? Yes. Okay. So microdosing on mindfulness or micro meditation mm-hmm. is the pop process of experiencing awe. And what we did is we took the word awe and we turned it A-W-E into an acronym. And each letter stands for the steps in the method. Can we go through that now? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one is attention. And that is a matter of placing your attention on something that you appreciate or are grateful for or find to be absolutely amazing. And if you look around your room or wherever people are right now, if you look around, can you find something that Mm -hmm. you value, appreciate, or think is just amazing, Mm -hmm. right? And And is it something that you actually have to physically see, or is it could be me thinking of my children, for instance, that are in another country? Absolutely. It could be in your own mind. It could be a memory. It could be... um, a piece of music you've heard, or it could be a piece right. of music you're listening to right now, anything. It doesn't right? matter where you are. You can do this anywhere. Anywhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even in very difficult trying circumstances. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you find what it is, you give your complete undivided attention to it. And we say this is typically about a breath cycle. A breath cycle is usually about 10 seconds. So you're inhaling, you're giving your attention to this object or this thought And then you just wait. That's the W. You wait, you pause, where you just give all of your attention to whatever this is, and you experience the sensations associated with it. And then when you exhale, we ask you to have a slightly longer exhale than normal, because at the end of an exhalation, if it's deep, you activate the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve, without going into a lot of detail about it, basically, it induces a a parasympathetic state, a state of deep relaxation. It's a really healthy thing to have this deep exhalation. And whatever sensations are in your body will be amplified. Mm. And the sensations that were in your body were positive because we had you focus on something that was something you valued or find to be amazing. Right. Awesome. So attention, weight, and the weight is with um, deep, uh, deep breathing, deep breaths. And the E is exhale and allow it to exhale all the way. Exhale and expand. Exhale and expand. I like that word expand. I often um, talk about um, your heart expanding and how that's how we can tap into an inner wisdom, a greater knowing and understanding a deeper sense of love by allowing our heart to expand. And, and I love that you are talking about the same thing in a different, in a slightly different way. And it's, um, it's very cool. Very cool work. You might find interesting a a model that we developed called three levels of consciousness. And we, and and the reason I bring this up is because it very much is about what you just described, where we have that sense of our heart opening and expanding. Mm -hmm. We call that the second level of consciousness, which is heart consciousness. Mm. 
the first level of consciousness we refer to as safety. And that's where we're living our lives 99% of the time. We're being productive. We're being focused on some future outcome. We're taking care of business. We're doing what we have to do to protect ourselves and our loved ones. All of our daily activity is mostly in safety consciousness. We can raise our consciousness to go to heart, which is that expanded state of appreciation, or we can raise it even further and we go into something called spacious consciousness. And in spacious consciousness, that's where we find awe. Mm. Now, what happens in spaciousness that's different than heart consciousness is it's nonverbal and non-temporal. There's no, no thinking, there's no relationship to time. We are just fully immersed in the experience of the moment. Mm-hmm. And this is not something new. This is not something we discovered. It's been taught for thousands of years. But what the awe method does is it allows us to access this state of spaciousness in five seconds, 10 seconds. And and that's, you know, when when we began and you said the title of the book and I said, it's a little embarrassing, it's embarrassing to promise so much, you know, to say in a minute right. a day, you can change your life. Yeah. But I really do believe if people would practice this multiple times a day, they would experience themselves as a very different person because yeah. every time you practice this, you reset your nervous system. It's, it's as if you uncoil the tension in a spring. And that has all sorts of tremendous benefits, some of which we'll get into. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, something that I teach my clients, uh, and I, I can't claim, um, this is not something I've come up with, but it's called joy spotting. And when I read your book, I, I thought, oh, this, there's some similarities with this idea of stopping in awe, it, t- taking that moment to find the awe. Um, and joy spotting is taking a moment to notice what brings you joy in in your life. I feel like your the awe is a heightened uh, way. It's a sort of a level up, if you will. Um, and I, I think it's something that um, can just really help us find that that spaciousness that grounding in such a, a short period of time and I, I just I love I love the simplicity of it I keep coming back to that the simplicity of it yes. which is really really beautiful um, and I think that joy spotting is very similar gratitude practices are very mm-hmm. similar there's an interesting study that was done I believe in 2015 that talked about positive emotions and how they affect our physiology yeah. And of all the positive emotions, joy, love, awe, awe was the one that decreased inflammation in the body the most. So it inhibits the process of inflammation. And as you know, inflammation is associated with all disease. Whenever there's disease, there's going to be inflammation. So if we can find a way to break that cycle and reduce inflammation, um, we're helping ourselves in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Do you remember years ago, Norman Cousins wrote that book about laughing? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't yeah. thought about it for a long time, but he, he, I believe, I don't remember perfectly, but I believe he had cancer and he ended up creating a therapy for himself where he would laugh like 30 minutes every day, he'd watch funny movies. Right. And it really helped him. In hindsight, I think part of what's happening is he was accessing a positive emotion, which reduced inflammation and tension in his body. And so what we're doing is similar, 
Um, but we're asking people to do it multiple times a day. And, and the fascinating thing, Anita, is that where people have resistance to doing many things that they're asked to do that are good for them, the main reason they resist is because they don't have time. Mm-hmm. But if I can say to you, I have something for you to do that would be really great. And you say, well, I'm really busy. And I go, this will take 10 seconds. This will take 10 seconds, 15 seconds at the most. Mm-hmm. It seems like that eliminates the resistance that people have. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's part of why I think it's so powerful. In other words, people say, well, I'll meditate 10 minutes a day, but then they don't. Yeah. Yeah. But if they say, I'll do this extremely simple practice three times a day because it only takes 15 seconds, they actually do it. Okay, I was just going to ask you, how many times a day do they need to do it to get the benefit? And is three well, like we a say minimum? the minimum is three, but what we saw is called a dose response. And what that means is the more you do it, the better the result, right. um, which is not surprising. But again, we're asking you to do something that takes 10 or 15 seconds. So I would say that at this stage in my life, I've been doing it now for three years. I probably do it a couple times an hour. A couple right? times, so, a couple times an hour. Okay. I'll finish a meeting. I'll get ready to go to another meeting. I'll take a moment, have right. a breath cycle, right. do a moment of awe, go into my next meeting. And and also this can be used preventatively. And this I find to be fascinating. Let's say that you need to have an argument or I'm sorry, you have a conversation with your spouse. You want to have a conversation. You want to clear the air. So we normally approach that in safety consciousness, somewhat concerned about how it's going to go and we don't want to create conflict. So we're in safety consciousness and that influences the tone of the conversation. But if you take a moment to access spaciousness, by using the awe method before you have that conversation, it changes the whole tone of the conversation. Yeah. And then if you and if your partner knows it as well, you can say, Hey, why don't we both take a moment, access awe, and then let's talk about whatever it is that we want to talk about. Right. So you're, you're coming at life from this higher state of being really like you, this, yes. yeah, yeah, very cool. Exactly. And, and, and and it's really uh, it's really central to this work and the way I work with people now, which is instead of trying to look at your behavior after the fact and say, <laughs> how could I change my behavior? What, what I'm encouraging people to do is look at your state of consciousness, which is just your state of mind, your state of being. Look at that before you engage in whatever it is you're going to engage in. Mm. Because as you shift your state of consciousness, you shift the way you experience and make meaning of everything that happens. It's a completely different way of being. Absolutely. Our world would be a completely different place if we all did that. (laughs) Or even if, even with a small percentage of us started to do that more. Awesome. Um, So tell us. I'm reminded you you and I were going to, yeah, I just the, the short story, you you and I were going to talk a week ago and I goofed up. I got the time wrong and I sent you an apology and you were so gracious about it. You know, there wasn't an ounce of annoyance that I picked up on. You were very gracious and you just said, hey, no problem. These things happen. And you even took some responsibility. You even said I could have done such and such to make it clearer. And the reason I bring it up is because you approached me from a state of mind and consciousness that was so refreshing. It was so uh, pleasant because I felt terrible that I goofed up our time. And then you were so gracious about it. 
And it's just an example about our state of consciousness and how it affects other people. Hmm. Well, thank so you I for thank saying you for that. that. That's really, uh, that makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about how this method works um, with the brain and the body. Like what's the, yeah, just how does that, how does that work? Well, on the, on the first step A, where we put our attention, of course, has a huge impact on how we experience the world. So, you know, we can look at the fact that our partner made dinner for us and left a mess and we can focus on the mess. They didn't clean up the dishes or we can put our attention on the fact that they made dinner for us. So where we put our attention really affects us and other people. And then the weight is the most interesting to me because when we have this moment of waiting, that internal monkey mind, which is which is referred to as the default mode network, it's a variety of areas of the brain that are particularly busy when we are not doing anything. So here we are, we're just waiting. And because our attention is focused, that those busy areas of the brain quiet down. The default mode network actually becomes quiet. Hmm. And when that happens, we have an experience of spaciousness. Then we exhale, activating the vagus nerve, which amplifies this quiet, spacious experience. It's very unique. It's it's Hmm. not what most of us experience most of the time. It's very unique. Um, Could you not get there with just uh, good breathing exercises or is the the thinking of something that that um, raises your vibration? Is that an important part of the formula? It it accelerates it. So yes, you could get there with with breathing. Breath therapy, breath work is incredibly powerful. You could get to the same place, but it would take longer. And if you're in a bad mood or you're (laughs) fearful or something happened that you're uh, ruminating about, that would inhibit you from moving forward. Mm -hmm. Where if you start by putting your attention on something that you appreciate, value, or find to be amazing... Mm-hmm. You've just accelerated the process significantly. Mm-hmm. Do you ever play pool? Yeah, yeah. Bill Not well, but- so, yeah. I haven't. I don't play well either. But there's that idea. You put a little spin on the ball, a little English. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're putting a little spin. We're encouraging our mind to go in the direction of positivity. Right. I love that. I can see how this technique can be used to not only help calm you, but it could potentially get you into a creative mindset as well to advance with whatever projects you're you're working on, just to to clear the space so you can be that you can operate at your your best. Yeah, absolutely. I think of it as a, I just had this uh, image come when you were saying that it's as if you're erasing a blackboard. It's got all sorts of things on it and and it's busy and you erase the blackboard or the whiteboard. And all of a sudden there's all this space, (laughs) which I think does promote creativity. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great uh, visual. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. In your book, you talk about uh, the awe spectrum uh, and there are three types of awe. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, about that? 
Yeah. So the spectrum is a valuable thing for people to realize because sometimes you'll have a moment of awe and it's really very subtle. It's just a sweet softening. It's just a, a, a kind of a pleasant experience. And that's great. And then you can have awe moments that are even more intense. And, and the most intense we refer to as orgasmic, right? And, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's when where you want we, a whoop. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like that that's orgasm. where we have. <laughs> Body tingling, energy release, energy travels up the back of your spine and often comes and you have a release in your neck or your head. That's how I experience it. And it's really um, captivating when that happens. Now, there's not a good or a, a bad way to experience awe. They're just simply different and different people experience awe in their own unique ways. There are three primary sources of awe. The first one is what we call sensorial. And that's where we're exposing ourselves to things that stimulate our senses, smell, taste, touch, sound, sight. So we're, we're experiencing something, we're taking in something that stimulates our senses and we can have a moment of awe. Mm. The second one is conceptual awe, and that would be where you have a thought, you think of something that's just beyond your comprehension. It, it just kind of stretches your mind, takes you someplace remarkable. I, I kind of do it with my conversation with you because we're on different sides of the world. Here we are having this conversation. It's just kind of remarkable that we can do this, right? It's sort of an awe-inducing moment. And then the third one, which I'm also having with you, is called interconnected awe. And that's where you're connecting with another being, person, pet, whatever it is. And you just feel the energy and the, um, the depth of what it means to connect with another human being or another animal, another sentient being. Mm. And when that happens, it's a, it's a rich experience. Yeah. Right? That's what life is about, I think. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. And it doesn't happen all the time. I don't know how many mm -hmm. podcasts I've done since we wrote the book, but I have this experience with you. I don't know exactly why I have it with you and I haven't had it, let's say, with other podcasters, but there's something there. There's something yeah. about the connection that just uh, is stimulating and engaging. And I yeah. find myself... Yeah, I feel that too. I, I, I've got this like super crazy grin on my face. <laughs> Everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd love it. <laughs> it really resonates with me. So, and I feel like I'm getting um, a deeper awareness myself for some of the things that I'm trying to help people with as well, but I'm coming at it with different language and you're giving me more tools to share with my audience. And I'm so excited to let people know about your book because it's it's so important and simple. I love the simplicity. I keep coming back to that. And I think you're you're so smart to make it as simple for people as possible. You know, so Yeah, it is really simple. I mean, at first I didn't even know how it would turn into an entire book, but um, <laughs> one of the things we did is we talked about the study, we talked about the method. And then in the back of the book, my wife wrote, I think there's about 30 of them that we call experiments. And those are actual examples of how to induce a state of awe. And so yeah. there's one per page. They're very sweet. They're very simple. Okay. Uh, but they're a nice set of training wheels to help people get started with this process. Well, that leads into the next question. I was going to ask you, how do we build our awe muscle? 
And that's what it is. It is a muscle. And it, and the more we do it, the easier it gets. Right. And eventually we start to have what are known as spontaneous moments of awe, where mm-hmm. we actually feel our body, our our body has an experience of awe, and we didn't even try to induce it. Yeah, We just have it. And that's really exciting when that starts to happen. But in the beginning, my recommendation to people is to get up in the morning and have an intentional awe moment. Mm-hmm. And you and I talked earlier, it could be it could be just the fact that you woke up or it could be who you wake up with. It could be noticing the beauty around you. It could be anything. But do that first thing in the morning and then somewhere midday, take a moment, take a break and go have a moment of awe, whether that's stepping outside or whether it's looking at a photograph on the wall or whether it's enjoying your lunch and really savoring the flavors. And then when you go to bed, mm-hmm. one more moment of awe. And this to me would be the minimum in terms of developing the awe muscle. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice thing to do before going to bed because mm-hmm. it's a way of releasing tension from the day. Yeah. And so I go out every night and I look at the stars and I yeah. do a moment of awe. Yeah. My all practice, which I'll, I'll call it now, I actually call it my my God walks. I, I go for walks in nature, um, try to do that every single day. And that's where I feel that sense of awe in my just being very present in my environment. And it's, uh, I, I, I've, I've, yeah, it's just such a, an important part of my day. What I like what you're saying is the intention. You know, I think that that's a really key word that where you, you set the intention to n- notice, to, to find, to, to be aware and find the awe. And that I imagine, and this may be a question, no, the noticing part of awe is how you can build that muscle by being aware and noticing those moments of awe that happen spontaneously and those moments where you, you're setting the intention to, to find the awe. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. What I, what I imagine as I listen to you is that each one of these moments is like a little wake-up call to our consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's a oh, little wake that. up call, right? Yeah. And um, the other work that I do with my wife, that work is called Live Conscious, and it's all about how to live our lives more consciously. And the awe method is one way, one step in that direction, because each time I have a moment of awe, I bring myself into the present moment fully. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, something that um, I encourage my clients to do is at the end of each day to write out what were their moments of of spotting joy. Do you recommend doing that as well to take a moment to Great. reflect on the day or is it more about just noticing in the moment? That's really good. Good question. Uh, it's very interesting. So when you have a moment of awe, if you then try to reduce it to words, you will decrease the intensity of the experience. Oh, okay? interesting. Yeah. Now, I'm talking very specifically about awe because awe is nonverbal. What happens with awe is something called cognitive accommodation, where we cannot cognitively accommodate, we cannot make full sense of the experience we're having. Maybe we feel so much love or what we see has so much beauty that we cannot put it into words. And our mind is is slightly disoriented because we have a tendency to try to label things, right? Yeah. 
what I say to people is don't label it. Don't, don't even try to label it. Just simply have the experience. So that's the first part is don't try to reduce it to words. But the second part that was so interesting to me is you said, um, I'm trying to remember the words you used, but what it made me think of was how we want this to go from being a state, a temporary state, to becoming a trait. Yeah. And what that means is it really becomes part of us. It becomes the way that we go through the world. Oh, I know the word you used, reflection. So what we encourage people to do, to take something from state to trait, we need to reflect on it. That's one of the keys. But reflect on it non-verbally. Mm. In other words, so it's more of the feeling. You're reflecting exactly. on the feeling, not trying to articulate. Exactly. It. Yeah. Exactly. So have your moment of awe, and then afterwards, just reflect back on the sensation of that moment, the visceral experience. Yeah. That's what begins to turn a state into a trait. And is that something that you can do daily on a regular basis or does it become does it become um rote and that and then therefore you kind of lose the awe? Do you know what I mean? I don't know if I'm articulating yeah, what I'm trying. No, very good, very clear, absolutely. If you allow this to become habituated, it loses some of its intensity. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is we want to take that moment to really, and this is kind of fun, but to appreciate what it was we just experienced. Mm. And that is that moment of reflection that you're talking okay. about. Right. So I do that at the end of the day. Not only do I go outside and look at the stars and have a moment right. of awe, but I also reflect back okay. on the moments of awe I had during the day. Right. Okay. Right. Okay, so you, the the best scenario is to do both: is to yeah. not try to put words to anything, just the experience. Allow the feeling, the sensation of that moment, be it. And then yeah. at the end of the day, maybe before you're going to bed, reflecting back on what were those moments. Were yeah, those think moments? of um, think of a person in your life that when you focus on, you are likely to go into a state of awe. Mm. Do you have somebody in mind? Yeah, yeah. And so just take a moment, give that, give that your full attention, just wait with that for a second and then have a longer than normal exhalation when you're ready. And what I want you to do is just imagine if you were to try and describe that to me by describing the sensation not the person or the story or the details. What What's the sensation? It's something I said earlier, actually. It's an expansion of the heart. It's yeah, just center beautiful. this feeling that just go, is going like this. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So if you refer to your awe moments as, in this case, an, an expansion of the heart, that's a beautiful way to summarize, as opposed to saying, like I was I was doing it when I was asking you to do it. And I was thinking of my mother when she and I were repairing a roof and she was about 75 and she's up on the roof working with me. And I just love this memory of my mother. So me giving you the details is fun and, and it's one way to do it, but it's not nearly as powerful as if I just think about the physiological state 
mm-hmm. I go into when I think about being up on the roof with my mom. Yeah. I can't put it into words. I, I can't explain to you uh, just how wonderful it was. Yeah. But I can hold that experience. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Thank you. And, and this, by the way, goes uh, a, a little bit in the direction of metatherapy, which is what I do with people when I work with them now. Instead of using so many words and instead of deconstructing our lives and looking mm-hmm. at our pasts and asking why and who did what and who do I need to forgive, all of that work, it's more the kind of conversation you and I are having now about connecting with ourselves at what I believe is a more a deeper level. And soul it's level. a soul level. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I find interesting is it's also very grounded. Yeah. It doesn't feel um, woo woo to me or Not peculiar in any way. It just feels deeply grounding. Yeah. I love having these kind of conversations because I, I feel the conversation itself is heart expanding. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to have these kind of conversations and share those moments and the the realization of of what is happening in, inside of us. I was going to say that I, I think for me anyways, it helps to articulate at least at a, a beginning when I when I started this kind of work, trying to express what's going on inside, I feel different. And I didn't understand what exactly it was until I was able to say, it feels like my heart is expanding. And now that I've got the words for that, I, I feel I feel it so much quicker. Yeah, if that makes yeah. any sense. So yeah, I, I feel like the, the two kind of go hand in hand for me. Anyways, I like to explore the why and the how and understand the words behind it and really reflect. And then I can drop them. I can let go of the words and just allow the the beingness to emerge. I think that's a good way to describe it because when I talk about metatherapy, I talk about going beyond traditional therapy, beyond the bounds of it. Not that traditional therapy is not valuable. It's very valuable. And I think it's a little bit what you just said, that we start with words and asking the why and the how and the details. And eventually we get to a point where we don't need to use so many words. Yeah. And the words can dilute the deep experiences we have of being human. There, There is something about this that I don't think we want to reduce to words yeah. for, for two reasons. One is everybody has different interpretation of a word. Absolutely. They're so limiting. Words are so limiting. Yeah. And, and the other is that once we put a label on something, it's as if we put it in a little box. Mm. And I really am encouraging, for example, the states of consciousness, the idea is not to live in one or the other. The idea is fluidity. The whole point is to be able to move fluidly from one state to another, depending on what's going on. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Okay. There are, there are a lot of people in the world right now that are hugely suffering with, uh, anxiety, with anxiety and stress. So can we talk a little bit about how practicing awe can help them move beyond 
being trapped in this. And, and I do feel like anxiety is, is a trap. We get trapped in it and it's so hard to break out. So how does practicing all help? I'll say two things about it. One is that um, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, is a pretty well-known book that's beautifully written about his experience being in the concentration camps in World War mm-hmm. II. And he ends up writing about his experience. And while in the concentration camp, he's describing moments of awe. Mm-hmm. And he is seeing the depth of humanity in the people he's with and finding awe and love and beauty. So I think the first thing to remember is that really, no matter where we are, there is beauty around us and within us mm-hmm. if we know how to find it. Yeah. So just recognizing that in the worst of situations, there is beauty if we look for it. Yeah. And then the second part is, it's a choice. It's a choice. At any moment, we can stop. Doesn't mean that our suffering goes away. Doesn't mean that we're not sad. It doesn't mean we're not scared. Doesn't mean we're not unhappy. But we can access awe as a way to ameliorate some of the challenges and difficult emotions we go through. Awe is a very unique emotion in that it can coexist with negative emotions. I can be anxious and experience awe. I can be depressed and experience awe. It's very unique in this way. And it's not the solution. It's not like it solves the problem. But what it does is it gives me a moment of relief. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of a much larger context. Hmm. That's beautiful. Wonderful. Um, I do something called, and I think it's on our website, um, I do something called the Awe Canvas Meditation. And I ask people, I take people into a mild trance and ask them to essentially look throughout their lives and find the moments of awe. Hmm. And and the reason I'm sharing it with you is because those moments are there for all of us. It's a matter of whether we take the time to reflect on them. But even even when we're going through a hard time, those moments of awe and beauty are still there. Yeah. So I imagine there are many, many, many different ways you can practice awe. Are there do you yes. do you have a few favorite ways that you practice this awe? Well, the, the main thing I do is I pay attention to my physiology. And when I feel myself tensing, when I feel myself anxious, then I look for a moment of awe to break that cycle. Mm. This is the same thing I would say for people who are dealing with anxiety, which is as you become aware of that sensation, whatever, however you refer to it, where you begin to notice, gosh, I'm anxious. Just take a moment, literally 10 seconds, and release some of that pressure, release some of that tension by finding something that you appreciate, value, or find amazing, and go through these three steps. It doesn't solve all your problems, but it's very empowering, mm-hmm. and it is incredibly constructive to reset our nervous system. Every time I reset my nervous system, it's like I go back to a baseline where I have some choice. 
as opposed to getting wound up and feeling like I'm just running on autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. I know that um, when we moved to uh, Portugal, I, I mentioned earlier, and when I first moved here, I was, you know, I went from uh, living in an island of 5,000 people to being in a city of 1.3 million people. And I, and I wasn't having the same access to my, my forest, the nature. And that was where I was practicing all, although that was not my terminology for um, being in, in nature, but reading your book and hearing you talk, I realized that's exactly what I was doing. I was, that was my practicing awe. And um, a bunch of time passed where I was not, I was not doing that. I was not getting out on my regular time out in nature. And I really noticed I was anxious more. I was tense. I was easily aggravated and I was having a hard time focusing on completing my book. And that's what I'm working on right now is my book. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, Anita, you're not doing what you tell people to do. You need to get outside and just connect with your environment to help you settle into your body. And your system is a really beautiful one that you can do. Just, I could step on my, my deck for 30 seconds and help me find that, that space. Although I'm not going to give up going out into nature. Cause to me, that's the, you know, sacred portal to your highest self is being in nature. I think you talk a little bit about nature in your book too. Don't you? Am I? We am do. I and, and yes, we do. And there was correctly? a research yeah. study done on all walks. Yeah. Uh, it was done, I think in 2020 about people taking all walks 15 minutes once a week, I think for six or eight weeks. And the results were comparable to a mindfulness, um, a, a traditional mindfulness practice where people were meditating 10 or 15 minutes a day. 15 so minutes once a week would very, be the same as 10 minutes I, of meditation I, a day. Wow. <laughs> I believe you'd like, I'll find the study and send it to you and you can include it in the show notes. Yeah, um, that'd be really but great. I don't want to, I don't want to mislead people. Um, I do know that the results were really impressive. I just don't remember if they make a note. Right. The other thing I wanted to say about being in a city versus in nature, I used to work in Tokyo every year. And at first I found it very difficult to, find the beauty and to relax because I too was coming from a place where I was going out and finding a patch of grass, a tree, um, a stunning piece of architecture, a, a building that just blew my mind. Right? right. And I started to use those things as the source of awe or joy or um, celebration. Right. And I've I found that I, got really, you know, I was very capable of it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I actually did it in, in Tokyo one year. I did it watching a pe people in a homeless encampment across the street from the hotel I was in. And I would watch in the morning and this gentleman would come out of his tent, homeless, put on his suit, put on his shoes, put on his tie, kind of brush himself off and get ready to go off on his day. And I just thought it was this beautiful moment. Wow. Of this man who had so much self-respect that regardless of where he was living, he really cared how he right. presented himself. And I just thought it was beautiful. So wow. it was a very simple example. Yeah, that is fascinating. Wow. 
All right, I've got um, one or two more questions for you. Uh, you start and end your book about the all method being a shortcut to transcendence. Can you explain what you mean by this? Yeah, I think that's what I meant when I said I find the title embarrassing because we're basically saying you can experience a, a state of transcendence in 5, 10, 15 seconds, which sounds a little bit unrealistic, but it actually is true. It actually is possible. And it's not that we can stay in that transcendent state, but we can access it really anytime we choose to by using the awe method. Yeah. And then at the end of the book, we talk about how this is more than a self-help technique, that if you actually use this methodology, it changes the way you live your life. Because when you're in awe of another person, you you, you realistically can't treat that person poorly or harm them. Yeah. And if you're in awe of nature, you can't destroy it. Right. Very powerful. And so if people would access awe more often, it would change the way they relate with other people. It would change the way they see the world. Absolutely. Yes. Very powerful stuff. Beautiful book. Um, thank you again for giving us your time to share more with us about uh, about your work. I highly encourage people to pick this book up. Where can people uh, get it now? Is it um, Amazon? I'm assuming the usual, the usual suspects. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's pretty much everywhere. And Great. I will say that um, if you have a hard time finding it, our website is thepowerofawe.com. And Great. on there, there's a list of all the places that have the book. There's also a page on our website that gives people, I think, a dozen experiences where they can practice moments of awe and okay. they can even post um, images or experiences they have of their moments of awe and share them with the rest of the world. That's part of um, the awe muscle building, isn't it? Yes. Right. And <laughs> when you look at, for example, when I go to the website and I look at the things other people post, I end up having my moments of awe because I'm oh, seeing I love that. Yeah. yeah. So you're supporting each other with your, yep. your awe right. moments. Very cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Jake. It was such a pleasure having you on the show today and uh, learning more about your, your method. It's a powerful, simple, easy to use method that can, can benefit pretty much anybody who practices it. So well done. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. And this Joyful Journeyers, thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me on the Joyful Journey podcast. If anything resonated for you from today's show, or if you are looking for more clarity in your life, clarity of purpose, or how to activate that purpose, then head over to joyfuljourney.ca and become a member of our community. We'll start by sending you a free download of our three guiding principles to inner wisdom, which will give you a great foundation for finding the clarity you are seeking. And you'll become part of a growing community of people who are raising the collective consciousness. So head over to joyfuljourney.ca and I look forward to connecting with you directly.